three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 447. First of all, I want to say thank you. Um, I appreciate your patience if you're listening to this episode. Uh, I've been very, very sick, and it's not been fun. Um, I you, Anybody know what a neti pot is? It's where you basically pour like salt water through one nostril. It comes out the other. I've been doing that a ton. been downing the vitamin C drink. Um, Sudafed's my new best friend. And I'm finally doing better. Like yesterday was probably the worst day, and then the fever broke, and I kind of turned a corner. But anyway, here we are. Uh, and uh, thank you for your patience waiting for this episode. Now, uh, I got a sponsor today. Awesome. Love to see it. They're back. LinkedIn. Uh, so these days, it can be hard to find and hire the right candidates for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs made it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. Focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience and use screening questions to get your role in front of only the most qualified. Then use the simple tools on LinkedIn Jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires against leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash opinion. That's linkedin.com slash opinion. One more time, linkedin.com slash opinion. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, LinkedIn. Yeah, I love them. They're great. Uh, and that's they want you to read that verbatim. But I will say most people that send me an ad read are like they're badly written. They're hard to read. Like they're clunky. You can't actually read them. That's that's one take. Easy. Just a great read. Uh, very well written. Great job, LinkedIn. Not a lot of people can nail their ad reads as well as they do. Um, last episode, I was really sick, and I cut this show like literally 15 times where I would like cough and spit into a cup, and like I was blowing my nose, and it was – I cut out like probably 15 minutes of, of additional recording of me just like – you know, being a mess, sweating everywhere, horribly. I don't even know. I Like, looking back, I don't know how I recorded an episode on Saturday. Thank God I did, though, because it got me some content out about Wildcard Weekend early. Here we are. We're a little late, but, I, I mean, look, if you can't record, you can't record. And last night, dude, my head was a mess. I couldn't do anything. Um, so let's jump in. And I say all that to say that I think I can do this entire episode in one take, smooth sailing, no problem. I'm feeling way better, uh, and I hope, I hope it seems that way. On Monday Night Football, the final wildcard game, the Rams beat the Arizona Cardinals 34-11. to And a lot of stuff happened. First of all, uh, Matthew Stafford, a former number one overall pick in 2009 with the Detroit Lions, finally, finally got his first playoff win. Well done for Matthew Stafford. Uh, he played. We'll get into that, but I, I'm really, really happy for him. Additionally, Odell Beckham Jr. got his first ever playoff win as well. And then the, you know, the big thing was that Arizona got eliminated. And uh, I got this game totally wrong. I mean, technically, I guess I predicted LA would win, but I was pretty wishy-washy about that. The thing I was really heavily predicting was that I thought it was going to be a crazy, fun, exciting game where there'd be a big controversy at the end. We did not get that. Uh, This game didn't even have the opportunity to have a crazy controversy at the end because 
Um, it wasn't close or fun or entertaining. It wasn't anything. Uh, the Rams dominated. They were up 21 nothing at halftime, and the Cardinals did not score until it was, you know, they were down 28-0 to when they finally got their first points on the board. And uh, Arizona couldn't do anything on offense the entire day. And I'll give Kyler Murray the benefit of the doubt. That was his first ever playoff game. So I think he's got time to learn from it and do better next time. Like a lot of people today are saying, Kyler Murray's terrible. And he's physically really gifted and he's got a, he's not stupid. He's very smart. He's got a lot going for him. I think um, he's got to learn from this game though. Cause he looked like, I mean, Frank, it looked like a deer in headlights in a lot of moments in this football game. And Arizona looked totally unprepared. I mean, oh my gosh. Nothing they were trying on offense was working. They got, I mean, their first, they started the game with five three and outs, uh, which led to punts and, and two interceptions. One of them was a pick six. And when you make that many mistakes and have that bad of a start, you're 0-9 on third down. for the. That's not the start of the game. That's the entire game. They did not have a single third down conversion the entire football game. That can't happen. Totally inappropriate. Ton of three and outs. Uh, that's, you know, penalties, turnovers. I mean, to me, a, a game that bad has to fall on the responsibility for the head coach, Cliff Kingsbury. That's, it's bad coaching, what we saw on Monday night. And I got a message from a Cardinals fan today. They're like, hey, should we, uh, should we fire Cliff Kingsbury? I think you could. I, don't, I, I wouldn't yet. But, man, you because I mean, I'm pretty patient. I'm like, well, I, I try to give – as many opportunities as I can. And it's like, well, you're late in the process. And remember winning in Arizona is new to everyone there. Kyler Murray, the quarterback, Cliff Kingsbury, the coach, like winning to him is new period. He didn't win in college. So now he's finally not only learning how to win, but learning how to, it's his first ever playoff game. I can understand the patience for Cliff Kingsbury. Although I love the conversation. Should we fire Cliff? Is there a coach out there that would, have the Cardinals more prepared to win big games next year. And there probably is. That's the unfortunate reality is that (laughs) there's no doubt somebody could do better with this Cardinals football team. I don't know who that person is, but certainly what we saw on Monday was not good. And in my opinion, they're going to keep Cliff Kingsbury, but he's going to enter the year next year on the hot, hot seat. I mean, it's a very short leash in Arizona for Cliff Kingsbury and, uh, Oh, my gosh. I mean, the Arizona Cardinals offense looked desperate on Monday night. On just their very their third drive of the game, they had two, three and outs to start. They find themselves third and 16. They try to trick play on their third drive, and it felt it sunk of desperation. We were like, this team has no idea how to move the ball against LA Rams. They're already resorting to trick plays to try to make it work. Then later, middle of the second quarter, uh, they were backed up in their own end zone, and Kyler threw this long ball down the right sideline to A.J. Green. Would have been a 22-yard gain. And and a huge break, finally a first down for Arizona. And it was initially ruled a catch, although it clearly wasn't a catch. I was surprised. They ruled it a catch, and Sean McVay, the Rams head coach, actually had to challenge it, throw the flag. He won the challenge, but it was like, guys, that's clearly not a catch. He he caught the ball, and right as he caught the ball, uh, Nick Scott just leveled A.J. Green. And by the way, it's a great hit. It's a clean hit. we don't see a lot of those where a guy, get, a safety is a truly really good hit on a receiver, knocks the ball free and isn't penalized because it wasn't penalty worthy. It was just a really, really good clean hit. Well done by Nick Scott. I haven't seen a hit like that in a long time. That was clean. And I was just like, 
Wow, what a play. Anyway, A.J. Green drops the ball. And it's pretty clearly not a catch to everyone watching. I was surprised. Again, they ruled it a catch live. And Cliff Kingsbury was just begging, you know, that's a catch. That's a catch. Just begging. You saw him, like, doing this motion, you know, know, the, the catch signal on the sideline. And the word that comes to mind is desperate. Like, he all he wanted was something handed to help them get something going. And it, it was sad. And on the very next play, <laughs> it's ruled an incomplete pass. So now they're you know, third down. And Kyler throws a horrible, awful pick six. He's holding on to the ball way too long. He makes a throw. He should never throw. Like, kind of as he's falling, he kind of flips it forward, gets caught, pick six, touchdown, give the Rams a 21 to nothing lead. It was all bad. And from an Arizona perspective, from Buda Baker getting hurt to uh, the pick six to the horrible stuff, I mean, everything you can imagine for an Arizona fan, that, their perspective is that the game was ugly, awful, and, and tragic. I mean, J.J. Watt made a comeback. That was kind of cool. Uh, he made a comeback after hearing his labrum earlier in the year. I respect the effort, but he didn't do very much. And uh, just if you're an Arizona fan, I, and, and here's how I know I'm not biased. I picked the Rams to win. But I, I found myself in my heart rooting for Arizona. I wanted Arizona to win this football game. And I don't know if it's because they were getting killed and I wanted something good to happen to them. I don't know what happened there. But uh, I did find myself rooting for Arizona watching this game. And even though, I, and I was like, I hope my prediction's dead wrong. I picked the Rams. I'm like, I, I want Arizona to win this football game. Didn't happen. Uh, now, Matthew Stafford, the Rams quarterback, had kind of a, kind of a weird day. I don't know if it's weird is the right word. He was efficient. He was very good. He had zero turnovers. I love that. No, no interceptions, no fumbles. Played a very clean football game. But he was 13 for 17 passing for 202 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, 13 completions, 17 total passes thrown. A, that's a good day. Like, well done. But B, um, he only had to throw the ball 17 times. Like, Arizona did not challenge the Rams at all. Very, very disappointing because I wanted, I thought, man, it's going to be Monday night, going to be wild, going to be fun. And go watch the game again if you want to. Uh, look at the faces of all of the Arizona Cardinals, their coaching staff, their, their players. As they walked off the field, it was 21 nothing. As they walked off the field at, you know, for halftime, they just looked totally defeated. And to me, like, you're down 21 points at halftime. That's not impossible. You got two more quarters to score 21 points. I came back from down 24 to 3 one point at halftime. Like, it's not insane. You got to get a couple things that go your way, but ball game ain't over. They looked like they would rather go home than make a good game plan for the second half. Like, they just look totally lost. And, I mean, the more I talk and the more I kind of realize and hear what I'm saying, the more I realize, like, I think maybe – they need better leadership in Arizona, and maybe Cliff Kingsbury should be fired in Arizona. Like, I mean, the more I'm, I'm thinking out loud and saying out loud, I'm like, it's a team that clearly has a lot of talent. Like, look, the Cardinals, man, have so many good things going for them on paper. But they can't avoid bad mistakes. The game plan was horrible. The more I'm, I'm, I'm speaking, the more I'm kind of realizing that gears are turning in my head. I'm like, maybe they, I think they should fire him. Like, I... I don't know. It, it's, somebody can do a better job with what the Cardinals have. And uh, I don't know. I, I guess let me end the, the uh, this segment by saying that I was really happy for Odell Beckham Jr. You know, all his former teammates in Cleveland are either, you know, on vacation somewhere or watching the game 
from like their snow-filled um, <laughs> tundra in Cleveland. And Odell, instead of being in Cleveland in the snow, he's winning a playoff game in Los Angeles. Like, good for him. Uh, he had four catches for 54 yards and a touchdown. Plus, he had a long 40-yard touchdown throw and a trick play. It was pretty cool. Good for Odell. I love to see that for him. Uh, and the Rams' defense, they dominated. And next week, we're going to get a really, really wild matchup between the Rams and Tampa, two very good defenses that I thought both had very dominating performances during Wild Card Weekend. Um, and by the way, the last thing I want to say, I guess, is that I, I was shocked when I realized that Von Miller, who got traded from Denver to L.A. earlier in the year, this was Von Miller's first ever playoff game since he won a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning years ago. Like, I had no idea. I knew Denver had been bad, and I, I guess I haven't been paying close enough attention. The Broncos haven't been to the playoffs since that game happened. Oh, my goodness, they've been awful. Von Miller, good for you. Von Miller, Matthew Stafford, OBJ, a bunch of guys who needed a playoff win first in a while for Von Miller, first ever for OBJ and Matthew Stafford. Good for the Rams, good for OBJ. Uh, Matthew, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm very, very excited for next weekend because Rams at Tampa should be a very, very fun, very, very exciting football game. All right, let me drink some of my nasty. It's not that bad. It's the, it's the pink lemon. I wanted raspberry, but the pink lemonade uh, vitamin C drink. It's fine. It's, dude, the, the only one I can't do, the orange, artificial orange flavoring does not, I, I don't like it at all. But particularly, like, the, the vitamin C orange Alka-Seltzer is, like, ah, oh, awful. Orange and cherry, like, orange and cherry are two terrible artificial flavors, but I love the fruit themselves. They're really good if you actually buy the fruit, but the, the artificial flavoring for orange and cherry is just never, never my thing. I don't like any of them. All right. Um, here's one that I think could get a lot of, I, I, I'm really not sure. If you get angry about what I'm about to say, um, that to me, that's on you. It's my show. It's my opinion. And I, I, I try to live my life by being myself and saying what I believe. And I think there's a couple topics, probably these next two, that are going to uh, bring some consternation, some anger. Remember, the show is called Strong Opinion Sports. It's made by me, not you. And if you want to make your own show, uh, feel free to go make your own podcast and talk about sports your own way, yourself, on your own time. Uh, this weekend, the 49ers beat the Cowboys 23-17 to 17, uh, on Sunday. And, you know, once again, the Dallas Cowboys were one and done in the playoffs. They, they made it in and had an early, immediate exit. And let's dive into the most important thing from this football game. I saw after the game a lot of Cowboys fans were blaming the refs for the loss. I even saw something like, by the way, I saw something from a media professional, someone who like is <laughs> like they cover football for a living. They said a game should never end that way. The ref should not get in the way of the end of a football game. So what, here's, here's what happened. The Cowboys had the ball down six points with zero timeouts left. So no way to stop the clock ball on the 40 yard line going in 14 seconds left and Dak Prescott the Cowboys quarterback ran the ball up the middle for 16 yards and very quickly credit to Dallas they got everyone set you know they they put the ball down got ready to spike the ball and stop the clock however there was one problem you, you may not know this but when you 
are getting ready to run a play in football, the ref has to spot the ball. The ref, every play, the ref has to touch the football before the play happens. And instead of giving the ball to the ref, Dak Prescott put the ball on the ground, got set. So the ref had to get through Dak Prescott, spot the ball, and then they could have the, let the play happen. So he bumped into Dak. Dak couldn't get set in time. Time ran out, game over. They didn't spike it in time, and, and the Cowboys did not get a final shot from the 24, 25-yard line to throw the ball into the end zone. And little backstory here. I absolutely hate when people blame the refs for a loss. I, I, and I've got baggage here. I once lost a game in high school football where it was national TV against our rival, my first ever varsity start, by the way, my junior year. We blocked the last second field goal. They picked it up and ran for a touchdown. We were on. So the next Monday, I, I'm watching football with my dad. We were on Come On Man. Chris Carter's making fun of us. We were on World's Worst. We were on Not Top Ten. We beat out the butt fumble from Mark Sanchez. Like, it was a, it was wild. And for the rest of my entire high school career, two years following that, people would bring, you know, signs to our games and say, come on, man, World's Worst, stuff like that. Make fun of us. Now, after that loss in the locker room, we're, we're devastated. We're mad at the refs. How could that happen? And, and my coach said something that I'll never forget and has always been very important to me and has, has really, really shaped how I look at the football world. He said, rather than focus on that one play, what about all the other stuff we could have done to win? You know, what about the times we missed? We, we had turnovers. We missed shots to the end zone. Like, we had way more opportunities to win that game and it did not really come down to one play. Like, people love to focus on the one play that went wrong rather than the things they could have done differently. And this is this is life, too. Like, people hate to focus on, oh, you know, my marriage fell apart because I didn't do blank, blank, blank. It's, it was her fault. She's big, bad. Like, people, I've said it before, we love to tell ourselves stories and make us the hero and and make us feel good about ourselves. And it's a lot easier to blame the refs than it is to go, oh, the Cowboys played like crap. They made a lot of mistakes and I feel bad for Cowboy fans, like the fan base, you guys, oh my gosh, you poor souls. Um, you know, it's been a long time since Dallas had a Super Bowl win and, a, you know, a big, deep playoff run. But I will say, I do not sympathize at all with the team, the coaching staff, the players. Like, the Cowboys as a team did so many things wrong in this football game. How about, you know, 14 penalties? What about when Dak Prescott threw an interception on his own 19-yard line, which led to a 49ers touchdown? Or does And by the way, this one really, really, really irritates me. The Cowboys had a shot. They had the ball with two minutes and 24 seconds left. That's, that should have been the final possession, where they're down six points, and that's the time where you put the drive together and go win the game. They got stopped in fourth and 11. They couldn't put a drive together. That, again, that's the drive where you should have won the game on. Why are you <laughs> – you're blaming the time when you couldn't make a drive happen like 40 seconds. What about uh, what about when you <laughs> had the ball with two minutes, less than three minutes left, a good shot to win the game. You didn't make it happen. You couldn't put together a drive. And even on that final play, you know, 40-yard line, 14 seconds left, no timeouts. Why? Why in the world – would you run the ball down the middle of the field when you have no way to stop the clock? Uh, and look, maybe maybe you could argue that Dak Prescott ran a little too far. He should have ran 10 yards, got down, rather than 16 yards, took too much time. 
maybe he should have handed the ball to the ref rather than spotted himself. Like, there are things that could have been done differently. But in my opinion, that's just a bad play call. Like, I don't know why you're running the football when you got no way to stop the clock, 14 seconds left on the 40-yard line. And even if they did spike the ball with, like, one second left, what really did the Cowboys miss out on? They would have gotten one play from the 24 to 25-yard line, and maybe they could have scored a touchdown. So, again, what did they miss out on? The, the <laughs> That ending did not cost Dallas the game. It's not like they had a touchdown that got overturned and taken off the board. I mean, I, when Des Bryant caught the touchdown pass that was not called a touchdown, that one— Totally get it. Years ago, Des Bryant, that was a catch. That was a touchdown. They should have won that football game. I think I believe it was against Detroit. Somebody, if it's not Detroit, remind me. That one, that situation, be angry. The refs robbed you of a, a victory. Absolutely. But what was robbed from, Detroit, from Dallas here? They missed out on a chance to maybe make a final throw to the end zone, right? Like, okay. They didn't miss out on the game-winning touchdown. They missed out on a shot to maybe win the football game. People that are acting like the refs cost them the game, come on. Like, <laughs> grow up. I, don't, I do not understand. Dallas never led the entire game. They were down 23-7 to going into the fourth quarter. They didn't deserve to win that football game. Also, again, by the way, in that situation, you're down six points, 40-yard line, 40 sec- or 14, 14 seconds left. Why don't you throw the ball to the end zone twice? You get two opportunities at a Hail Mary. You're basically throwing a Hail Mary from the 25-yard line anyway if Dak Prescott can spike it with one second left. Why don't you just get two shots at the end zone? You know what I mean? I'm like, what are we really arguing about? It's so stupid to me. And I, to me, the reason why they lost, like what was the Cowboys' problem on Sunday? To me, it was bad coaching wasn't the refs. It was a team that looked unprepared, that had a ton of penalties, that had some bad play calls that probably, you know, they kicked a field goal down 16 points when it's like, what is being down 16 versus down, like, they kicked a field goal down 16 points. It was a two-score game, two touchdowns, two two two-point conversions. If you kick a field goal there, you're still down 13 and need to score twice to get that many. It's like, I don't know what a field goal on fourth and seven down 16 points at the end of a game, 12 minutes left, I believe, really benefits you. It's, It's very weird to me. And I am sad because I would have liked to see Mike McCarthy, the Cowboys head coach, against his former team, Green Bay, and his former quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. That would have been really, really fun. But my gosh, man, I I can't believe people are blaming the refs. It feels so wrong and silly and misguided, and people just want someone to blame. And again, I think it's easier to blame the refs than to look at your own football team and go, yeah, my team didn't play very well because, hey, your team didn't play very well. And I'm worried about Dallas next year, too, by the way, because, I mean, look, their schedule is easy. They play, like, you know, they play Eagles, Giants, um, Washington, you know, that's six games they'll probably win. They play, like, Detroit. I mean, they're going to win a lot of games again in Dallas next year. They got some talented players, and they got, you know, I don't know. By the way, in this game, Nick Bosa, the defensive end for the 49ers, didn't play, like, he got a concussion, didn't play the entire, like, second half. So you were given another advantage you couldn't take, you know, couldn't make advantage of. Um, so anyway, next year when the playoffs come around, Dallas is going to probably win more games than they did this year, in my opinion, looking at their schedule for next year. However, they're still going to have Mike McCarthy coaching the team. And he feels to me like a limiting factor where I'm like, 
okay, like uh, great. And you're probably you might lose your offensive coordinator, you might lose your defensive coordinator. Like, there's no way the Cowboys are gonna have a better coaching staff next year if they keep Mike McCarthy right now. And uh, to me, Mike McCarthy's a limiting factor, and it's gonna be a problem again next year. Now, Jerry Jones loves him. I think Jerry Jones likes that Mike McCarthy has won a Super Bowl before. It feels like, ooh, I got a good coach and I can control him. And I don't know how to put this yet, but I do think that in the state of Texas, you've got the Cowboys and UT Austin, you know, the Longhorns, two football programs that are highly, highly commercialized. I mean, oh my gosh, the, the money the Dallas Cowboys make is unreal. And the money that Texas football makes is crazy. And I have to wonder, I, again, I don't, this is not a fully formed thought, but I'm sharing an early, you know, kind of thought I'll develop into a better segment down the road, which is that I, to some degree now, I think that the Cowboys and Texas football are, are so commercialized, maybe is the word, like they, there's so much money to be made. I think it, and also, frankly, Jerry Jones is like having fun and do whatever Jerry Jones feels makes him happy in Dallas. There's so much money to be made. I think that winning becomes actually a secondary thought behind all the business opportunities and the radio appearances and this and like there's those distractions don't exist in Buffalo and in Kansas City and in Green Bay. And I just I don't know if that's fair to criticize. I'm not really criticizing. I just wonder if some of the commercialization and the love Texas has for football, that passion maybe overshadows what should be really a focus on winning. If that does that make sense? I don't know if that sounds crazy, but that's a thought I had watching the football game on Sunday. How about the 49ers? Uh, 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. He was fine. Not great. Uh, had a terrible interception where, I mean, it really it gave new life to the, Ford, to the Cowboys in their own territory. Threw a ball high. It got picked off over a receiver's head. Uh, Debo Samuel was a stud once again. He had 10 carries for 72 yards. And a touchdown. Plus, he had three catches for 38 yards. Uh, and Elijah Mitchell, their rookie sixth-round running back out of Louisiana, had 27 carries for 96 yards and a touchdown. Um, I think it's pretty clear Jimmy Garoppolo's time in San Francisco is coming to an end. He's a very solid veteran quarterback. He's just very limited, right? He's always going to make a couple throws a game where you're like, buddy, how can you not— Jimmy G does some good stuff. He had a great throw early in the game. Uh, he had some great throws week 17 or week 18, I guess, against L.A., the Rams. But Jimmy G is just not consistent enough uh, to make me feel comfortable that he's a quarterback who can win a Super Bowl in the NFL. But he's going to go somewhere. I think that maybe a team of the young quarterback will take him and, you know, they'll they'll have Jimmy Garoppolo start and let the young guy learn from Jimmy G. Something like that could happen. I could see Jimmy G in Washington in New York, somebody who drafts a quarterback next year, uh, Matt Corral and Malik Willis, he could go be the veteran starter for a while while the understudy learns under him. But honestly, I believe that, um, and you know, I'm really hesitant to say this because I believe it, but I also know that every time they play each other, it's a crazy fun game. And so who am I to, to say, but maybe this year's different. I don't know. But I, so let me say it. I believe the 49ers will get destroyed in Green Bay next week. And I think Green Bay is a much better football team. Um, in years past, I felt that way too, though. And the 49ers came in and either won or were very competitive. So who knows? But I, I would be surprised if the 49ers won next week on the road in Green Bay against Aaron Rodgers, who's playing amazing. And I think the best Packers team we've seen in a couple of years in an organization, the Packers that have been really good for a couple of years. So um, 
I think the 49ers run ends next week in Green Bay. Let's shift to Kansas City. How's it going so far, guys? I think we're doing pretty well. Uh, it's not bad. The the, uh, the vitamin C, it, it really helps. The vitamin C, you know, the Sudafed is the one. There's a reason why they keep Sudafed behind a, a counter. Like, you got to go ask for it to buy it. That stuff is like, oh, my gosh. I mean, I, I think they make... So, I'm not going to say it. I think you make like a really heavy drug out of it, and uh, I, I get how because it works very well. It makes me feel like way better whenever I take Sudafed, and I got to be careful when I'm sick because it's easy to take a, too many of them. I'm like, no, no, one, maybe two a day, that's it, or else I, I take them when I need them to record. Otherwise, like you better just stay away because I, I really – they make me feel very good. Um, like just my, my nose clears up, and man, uh, I also, by the way, I did uh, a neti pot today with – I boiled water, so it was very warm, and I let it cool down a little bit to, like, room temperature, a little bit warmer, and then I ran it through my nose in a neti pot. Usually, I do a neti pot with, like, room temperature water that's stored. You know, you get it in the gallon jug, the concentrated water. I tried something different, and it works really well with warm water. I didn't realize that. Uh, now, you want to boil it because you want it to, not, you know, have more purity than just, like, tap water, uh, but, yeah, you Boiling water a little bit and then let it cool off a little bit. Then put the saline solution in, pour it through your nose. Cleared out like nothing. I've never had – that's probably the best neti pot experience I've ever had actually. So I learned a lesson today. I'm like, oh, all right. That works very, very well. Sorry. I I don't know why you don't care about this. Let's talk about Kansas City. Kansas City beat Pittsburgh on Sunday night 42-21. to uh, the game was actually 0-0 for quite a while. I was surprised. I didn't think it would be close as much as it was, as long as it was. Uh, and Pittsburgh actually scored the first touchdown. T.J. Watt uh, got a fumble recovery and ran for a touchdown. So the Steelers had a lead 7-0, which, hey, that's as best, it's as good as it got the entire game for them. Eventually, though, Kansas City got rolling, uh, and it happened very fast. I was watching, and I was like, oh, I feel like I... Like, I, I blinked, and suddenly it was 21-7 at halftime. And then by the second play of the fourth quarter, they were up 42-14, to 14 and you're like, what what happened? They just It was like bang, 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 game over. Kansas City scored six touchdowns in a row. And you're like, all righty then. Wow. It was amazing. And Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs quarterback, he had an early interception, but after that, he was basically perfect. He was 30 for 39, passing 404 yards, five touchdowns. Travis Kelsey, he threw a touchdown pass. Uh, he also caught five catches for 108 yards and a touchdown. Eight different people caught a pass for Kansas City in this football game. And to me, it's, it's a sign that Patrick Mahomes is really evolving. And I've been saying this for weeks now, but I want it. I keep repeating it because I want people to hear it. I want people to take it to heart. Patrick Mahomes became a better quarterback this year in 2021 and now 2022. He started the year early on kind of a gunslinger, uh, forcing throws into coverage. And he really had to learn some lessons. And it made him a way more successful quarterback because his decision-making is so much better. He's spreading the ball around very evenly. Uh, There was no one dominating receiver in this football game. You know, Jarek McKinnon was the leading receiver with six catches. Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Byron Pringle each had five. Robinson and Hardman each had four. Like, Mahomes is making really good decisions and spreading the ball around a ton. And it's been impressive to me to watch Patrick Mahomes become more patient and less. 
he's aggressive and he's still very talented. Like he'll still make a throw where you're like, you know, falling one direction, make a throw across the field, like just like doing insane stuff with his arm. He's still got the gunslinger in him and the, the talent is still there. But he's become an even better decision maker and is way more polished. And I, honestly, like I think early on you could have compared early this year, you could have compared Patrick Mahomes to Brett Favre. And we saw, in my opinion, Patrick Mahomes this year turn a corner of decision-making and, and polish that Brett Favre never did. And so uh, <laughs> I think it's very possible, if not likely, we're going to get – like the four teams that can win the Super Bowl now, Green Bay, Tampa, or Kansas City or Buffalo. I think, I think Kansas City should still be the favorite. And then uh, we might get Green Bay, Kansas City, which I think is a, a – a, repeat of Super Bowl one if I'm not if I'm remembering correctly but it's going to be Tampa and Kansas City or Green Bay and Kansas City in my opinion I think Buffalo could sneak in there the Rams you know they had a great game but I don't trust that the Rams can win a game against Tampa and then against Green Bay to get to the Super Bowl I just I, I still don't trust Matthew Stafford enough for him to win two more games on the road against Tampa than against Green Bay anyway uh, you know what I thought about when I watched this game in fact, you know what I thought about when I watched Big Ben lose this football game? It's probably let me let me be clear. I want to I want to start with some sentimental stuff. It's probably Big Ben's final game in the NFL, losing to Kansas City. Uh, and I respect the career he had. He is for sure a Hall of Famer. He won two Super Bowls. And while I, I respect what he did and the body of work of his career, I'm not gonna miss Big Ben. I'm really not. Uh, it's funny how so many people who were calling for Ben to retire for you know all year, two years ago, last year, this year, suddenly those people are getting really sentimental and going like, oh, Ben, oh, we're going to miss you, oh. And maybe it's because they realize they got no game plan after Big Ben at quarterback. I don't know. But to me, in my opinion, and if you want to get angry, I, I'm, not a, I'm not trying to attack anyone. I just, I'm letting you know, to me... Big Ben has been uncompelling and uninspiring for years. I grew up playing quarterback. Big Ben was one of the guys that potentially could have been an idol of mine. And I, I never looked up to Big Ben. It, to me, I was, I was always inspired by Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and Drew Brees, their work ethic, their mechanics, the drive they showed, the preparation. Throughout Big Ben's career, preparation was never his like biggest thing. <laughs> there were years where you're like, People would write articles about how Big Ben isn't prepared, and you're—I remember, like, I'm like 14, going like, I'm not looking up to this guy. And Big Ben is weird because him and his fans have been talking for years about, oh, the good old days, and it's kind of like when someone always talks about the past and like, remember when I did blank? Remember blank? Remember blank? And it's one thing to tell a story; it's another thing to like live in the past and always. You talk about the good old days. I try to – the best parts of my life I know are ahead of me, not behind me. And by the way, the last time Big Ben won a Super Bowl is in the 2008 season. They – you know, February 1st, 2009. It's been a while. And, and Big Ben in the second half of his career didn't do that much. Like he really – there's not a lot of – there's no impressive crazy story. There's nothing – like to me, Big Ben at the end – he was mediocre. And if you try comparing Big Ben to Tom Brady, it's laughable. It's not even close. I mean, like the 
Tom Brady at 44 just led the NFL in almost every statistical category throwing the football. Ben at 39, five years younger in the same year, looked totally washed up. And look, he said the right stuff at the end, and he's, he gave that speech. And I gave it my all. I want you to know I, I did everything I could every game, and I'm a stealer for life. And that's great marketing, and his PR person told him to say that, and good for him. Um, but to me, my impression of Big Ben, especially towards the end, was he never seemed very driven. When you watch Tom Brady puts out that message over and over. He's, he's clearly working his tail off. And for a few years now, it felt like Big Ben was just kind of waiting to retire. Like, well, if they're not going to kick me out, I'll still hang out here. But I'm not, I'm not working that hard. I'm kind of just, you know, it's like, I, don't, I hate to take a shot at his physique, but you're like, dude, what are you doing? So to me, again, the words that come to mind for Big Ben are uncompelling and uninspiring. He had a good start to his career and some good years early on, but the, the final years of his career were a lot of mediocrity and a lot of like, eh, it's fine. And I don't want to delve into his history with women, but you read about that and you're like, wow, this guy's supposed to be like the hero of the NFL, Big Ben. Like, any, don't, in fact, if you want to read about Big Ben's history with women, you can. I, I read it and I was like, mm, I, don't, I don't like reading that at all. And it's kind of like, we're going to look at Deshaun Watson the same way when he retires. We're going to go, hey, really talented player who, kind of seemed scummy with how he handled women off the field early in his career. And I'm just, look, I, women aside, it, it's more about, I just, I never looked at Big Ben and was moved or inspired. I'm not going to miss the guy. And, and frankly, I, I'm excited for a new era in Pittsburgh. I want them to get a new quarterback, and I want them to get someone new I can be excited about and rally around and who's driven and trying to connect with the young guys and building the franchise. And it felt like, Pittsburgh kept Big Ben out of respect, but they probably should have gotten a new quarterback a few years ago. And I'm sorry to the people that I'm making angry, but this is all my opinion. And I did, I'm not going to lie, I hoped that this year Big Ben would have a final year. You kind of make a comeback and, you know, I was like, oh, Big Ben's, you know, one last ride, maybe he'll put together something cool. And they made the playoffs and had kind of a cool ending to the year, but he didn't dominate. Like it wasn't a... You know, he got ma- massively overshadowed by Tom Brady this year. And, and again, not even competitive. And he was just, Big Ben was fine. And I, and I really, and I believe this, and this is something that I, I, I got to say that if you're a Steelers fan, hate everything I said leading up to this point, but this is the, maybe the most important thing I'll say in this Big Ben topic is that I don't know that Ben was the leader Pittsburgh needed in the end. I mean, there was been this weird divide recently in the locker room between old guys and young guys in Pittsburgh. And Ben never appeared to help that divide. He didn't appear to connect very well with the younger guys on the team. And Tom Brady, (laughs) I am sorry to keep comparing him to Tom Brady, but I, I recently talked to someone who works directly for Tom Brady. And he talked about how Tom works really hard to connect with the rookies and the young guys and get on the same page with them. And I, I never saw anything like that from Big Ben. All I really saw from Big Ben was kind of him making weird, critical remarks about Chase Claypool and this and that. And rather than appear to build a relationship with the guy, he would just kind of criticize the guy publicly. And like, that's not how you build a relationship, in my opinion. And so I'm, I'm honestly very excited for Pittsburgh to find a new quarterback. Big Ben is the past. Uh, and 
I moved on, honestly, well before their game against Kansas City. It's not to say I hate Big Ben. It's not to try to – I'm not trying to tear him down at the end of his career, but I I keep seeing these messages and, and you know, posts from people, oh, Big Ben's gone. Oh, no, no, no. And I'm like, I'm, I'm actually kind of like, let's go. I'm, I'm really glad to see the guy gone and move on and get to the next part of whatever it looks like in Pittsburgh because it was good and it's over and I'm, I'm ready to flush it and move on. And I don't know if other people agree with that or not, but I – I just have never been inspired or very moved emotionally by Ben. He's just like, eh, he's, eh. kind of a scumbag to women, kind of a mediocre quarterback towards the end, not very driven, hasn't won in a long, long time. Um, you know, all right, bye, Ben. Let's move on to the next. All right. Um, now that I, I, I lost like half my fan base and everyone's really mad at me, um, <laughs> I don't know. It's really weird to get, I got I got some hate, dude. I got I, I put that that thought on my Instagram story that I I wasn't really sad to see Ben go. And again, I don't want my my lack of sadness to be. I'm not mad at Ben. I'm just like not I'm not, I'm not sad. I'm I'm like oh, kind of I'm kind of like oh good good riddance. Like let's move on and get to the next in Pittsburgh. I put that on my Instagram story. Oh my goodness, dude! I got so many hateful, mean, angry messages. Uh, and by the way, from people that clearly like have followed me for a long time and have sent me a lot of messages before that have been very nice. I'm like, apparently I said something there that like, don't attack our quarterback. And they were saying mean stuff about my ex-girlfriend about, oh, I mean, all kinds of stuff, just like crazy things. And I'm like, man, I, I don't know. I, I'm really glad to talk about sports for a living because it doesn't really matter. Like it, to me, there's so much awful crap going on in the world every day, everywhere. I'm just glad I talk about sports because sports for me are, are a great escape to focus on. You know, when the world feels like the Hunger Games outside, I'm like, okay, you know, at least I can watch the playoffs and enjoy that part of my life. And so I, I was maybe not surprised, um, but definitely like, oh, people are really mad about this opinion. And I'm not going to not share it because it makes people mad. But I think someone's going to agree out there and go, yeah, I kind of feel the same way about Big, Big Ben. And that's the person I'm targeting is the people that – have been hearing for weeks about how sad and tragic it is that Big Ben's leaving. And some people like me are kind of like, awesome, awesome. Let's move on to whatever's next in Pittsburgh. Okay. Uh, one topic left. Let me drink some water real quick first. I uh, Water with uh, the good old vitamin C, baby. I, uh, today I didn't, I, I shaved, but I did like the, the quick shave where you just shave your neck and uh, the, above the lip line. I hate, by the way, the, the worst thing in the world is when someone has, like, a mustache up on their lip that, like, hangs and curls into their mouth. And, like, their their mustache is, like, slightly wet because they're always getting the ends of their mustache. It's gross. I'm like, dude, shave it. Cut it. Get a get a short little razor. Just go right across the, you know, it's not that hard. And it makes a huge difference. The guys who have that mustache that curls into their mouth, gross. I can't do it. I think it's so nasty. Have as much as you want under your mouth. Great. I, I don't mind the people that have the low-hanging, massive beard. I think it would drive me nuts because it would itch like crazy. But the one that hangs in your mouth, like, come on, bro. Get, fix that. That's not a good look in my opinion. Um, and I, I couldn't imagine kissing someone with that. Like, I don't know. I, wouldn't, I feel bad for girls who've got guys who've got that kind of beard that hangs in their mouth. I just think it's nasty. Anyway, now that I'm – oh, gosh, I'm getting like – is it sweat? What is that? No, whatever. Who cares? Um – <laughs> on Sunday, the geez, can't even talk. What team? On Sunday, the Buccaneers beat Philly 
31 to 15. And uh, Philly is now out of the playoffs. It's not a surprise at all, in my opinion. Uh, the game went exactly like I thought it would. Tampa led 31 to nothing to start the fourth quarter. It was a total mismatch. And uh, the Eagles' run-heavy offense could not run the ball at all on the Buccaneers' defense. And despite giving up 15 points in the fourth quarter, Tampa really dominated on defense in this football game. It was, actually, it's one of the first times in a while when I've, where I've watched a defense and been like, I've enjoyed watching the defense have success and do well. I literally, um, I was fast-forwarding through commercials. Like, I want to just get to this defensive performance. They were doing so well. And now, Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts didn't play very well at all. He was 23 for 43 passing, 258 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Uh, he had a, a really memorable throw where he had Quez Watkins wide open down the left side of the field and uh he missed him it's just a it was a bad and accurate throw that probably should have been a touchdown by the way Jalen was the Eagles leading rusher at eight carries for 39 yards they were not able to run the ball very well with a running back I think Bart Scott his name some Scott whatever his name is had like a 34 yard touchdown run but he had like one run the entire game um and I I have no doubt Philadelphia Eagles fans will be quick to point fingers and Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni go after the coach, whoever they can to blame people on the Eagles team. Um, I don't know. I, I thought Philly had a good year. I thought that, you know, Devontae Smith had a sweet catch for a two-point conversion. Like, there's clearly some good young talent in Philadelphia. Uh, they've got good draft picks coming up. To me, you know, I, I Philly was just lucky to make the playoffs, and it was a good run for them. They really, I thought, overachieved a little bit, actually, in my opinion. And Tampa was just a terrible mismatch. So if you're like an Eagles fan who's mad your team lost, I, I don't really, I think you're wrong. I think, I think you're just, you should be glad your team got there. And they did the best they could with the team they had. And the future is exciting. I mean, the matchup for them playing against the best run defense in the entire NFL could not have been worse for them. I could just... It wasn't good. I, I, Tampa shut down Jonathan Taylor. You know, like, I don't know. I, I just, I, I didn't have any, like, outrage or sat. I'm like, oh, yeah, of course the Eagles lost, and they, they were going to lose the whole time. And if you're an Eagles fan who's angry about that loss, I, I hope you get that figured out because I just don't think that <laughs> you, you played a really good football team and lost. I'm not really sad about that. It's nothing unfair happened, and your team wasn't awful. Your team just wasn't as good as Tampa. Now, for Tampa, uh, Tom Brady is playing at such a high level right now. Like, oh, my gosh. The defense is dominating. Tampa's playing. You know, Tom Brady's playing very well. The only concern in Tampa is their offensive line. Ryan Jensen is not 100%. Their center. Uh, Tristan Wirfs, their right tackle, left the game hurt. He didn't play, like, a lot of the second half. And he tried to play, but he, he was just a liability. His, his leg was hurting really bad, his ankle, and he gave up a bad sack. And I respect him you know, trying to play through the injury, but it was good to get him off the field. And hopefully Tristan Wirfs can be 100% next week against Aaron Donald and Von Miller. Um, look, if this offensive line can get healthy and stay healthy, then I would not be surprised at all to see Tampa win another Super Bowl. But that's a big if. I mean, as well as the defense is playing, as well as Tom Brady's playing, which he's on fire right now, the offensive line concerns me a lot. And we'll learn a lot against uh, the Rams, how healthy or not, Tampa Bay's offensive line is, but that's a huge deciding factor. You got three games left, and if your offensive line isn't doing well, you're not going to win all three games in a row to win a Super Bowl with Tampa. All right, guys. Uh, 
Hey, that's everything. I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Uh, the next episode should come very quickly. I've got all the, you know, we're doing Ask Zach next episode. The questions are all basically selected. I'm just going to record it like later tonight. Um, love you. Appreciate you. But I'm bum. Bam. We are done. <laughs>